Hi friends, I'm Tanya Luna, psychology researcher and educator. And I'm Brian Luna, and I've guessed every ending to every Muppet movie so far. And you're listening to Talk Psych to Me, a show where we take research out of the lab and into the street. Let's get into it. We have our first ever guest on the show today, psychologist Dr. Vanita Sandhu. I was going to say, I'm super excited to be here and the first guest. That is a big deal. Thanks for trusting me with this. Yeah, depending on how this goes, we might have more guests or, <laughs> or we'll this never do this last. again. Welcome right. to our potentially last guest ever, Dr. <laughs> Vanita Sandhu. No pressure. All right, just so we know what we're in for, can you tell us what kind of doctor are you? Like what types of problems should we come to you with? Uh, I don't want to hear anyone's problems, but I am a licensed clinical psychologist. And so clinical psychology is very much around assessing and treating and diagnosing clinical illnesses. I mean, I'm not asking for it, but I can't, you can't prescribe nothing. I cannot if you are interested in medication. No, this is, you're pushing your meds on me already. And I don't want that. So given your background in clinical psychology, what will you be talking to us about today? I really want to talk about the psychology and the science behind swearing or cursing, whichever word people use. We use cussing down south. So today we're going to be talking about, depending on where you are, cussing, swearing, or cursing, mm-hmm. or just foul language. Yeah. So oh, yes. this morning, this episode- Expletives. Expletives. This show is obviously going to be unbeeped, not safe for environments where you don't want to hear a lot of profanity. Which is where? Like around a church. Church? Yeah. <laughs> Boom. Uh, <laughs> oh, we can, we can talk about that even. Like, where are swear words even more allowed or not? Where, Vanita, would you think cursing, cussing, swearing, profanity would not be okay? You know, the question you're starting off with, Tanya, hits me right in the heart because the reason why I'm even excited about this topic or want to talk about it is because of a personal experience that I had when I was a kid. And it was my first lesson around, oh, wait, where are appropriate settings? So I was in ninth grade and I had a teacher, Mrs. Rollins. And just to give you a bit of a picture about ninth grade Vanita, I was listening to a lot of rap and hip hop. No surprise. And uh, the top of my locker, I had like portable speakers connected to my CD player. (laughs) So I could just get all the Biggie and Tupac out there as much as I could. And as I'm standing at my locker with my friends, I say the word fuck in conversation that we're having. Well, at the exact moment that I say that, my ninth grade teacher, Mrs. Rollins, walks by. And she backs up, she looks me in the eye, and she goes, Vanita, I need to see you in my classroom right away. (gasps) And so then I quickly follow up with, oh, shit. That's (laughs) appropriate. So I I get to her classroom, and she sits me down. And I'm not kidding. The first thing she says to me is she goes, Vanita, you are too smart to be using language like that. That was honestly my first lesson of, whoa, there are differing perspectives of what swearing looks like or what swearing means. And uh, I have never forgotten that experience. And even being a, like a professor, my students, like my first lecture of any semester, I would always swear just so that they could get used to the fact that that's going to be happening every single class that we have together. And what's cool as a psychologist is that you can actually test that. You can say, is there a link between intelligence and profanity? Is there an actual impact of profanity on the listener? So you've chosen the right profession to be able to get back at that teacher. Thank you. I often think about actually writing her a letter. When you did swear in front of your class, did it loosen them up? I mean, did you do that to loosen them up? Did you do that to free them up? I did that to A, honestly be my, what I thought, what I think is my authentic self and B, 
I do think it loosens students up. There's actually a way that you can read this. I have a Rate My Professor uh, webpage, and there is one in there where a student was like, Benita might come off as rigid in the beginning, but then she cracks a few jokes and everything loosens up. Oh, wow. And I was like, perfect. That's exactly what I'm going for. I would love to hear, Brian, do you have your first memory of the impact of cussing? Yes, because I mean, growing up in Texas, cursing is like a part of everyday conversation, you know, damn, goddamn, you know, shit and all that stuff, you know, people just kind of peppered in. But I remember the first time I cussed, I, we were kind of allowed to cuss at home so long as it wasn't directed at my folks. So like, we couldn't say the F word, that was kind of like iffy, but we couldn't like, we can be like, oh, come on, mom, I don't want to do that shit, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And what age? Like, uh, I don't know, first, second grade. Like my, my parents didn't really have any any kind of stranglehold on like words or like what we were able to watch or anything like that. Like they were kind of free as long as we weren't like beating people up or, or you know, robbing. Well, we could rob people, but we had to bring it home, the money. So, um, <laughs> but, but the point was, is that uh, one day my grandmother was over and my mom and dad and my grandmother were sitting at the table and um, <laughs> my sister, for some reason, grabbed a pair of my underwear and threatened to show the, show it outside. Like she was gonna, she was gonna take them out, put them, go to the balcony, and show everyone in the neighborhood, uh, in the complex, my my underwear. And that was like, I, for some reason, that was like mortifying. It wasn't like they were dirty underwear or anything. It's just like she was gonna show. I'm my picturing underwear. just this crowd gathered outside your right, balcony, see what my sister was gonna show, <laughs> and it was gonna show my underwear. So, um, so, and for some reason, I was like, no, no, no. She's like, I'm gonna show them, Jimmy. I'm gonna show them. I'm gonna show. And I go, Liz, no, shut the f up. And I did it in front of my grandmother my mom and my dad now did you say, oh. it did you say no that? i said the, i said the whole thing i said the whole bag of donuts right and so my dad got up and my dad wasn't my mom used to there was corporal punishment okay my mom used to hit us <laughs> my dad never really did but my mom used to hit us and so he got up from the table walked right up to me and gave me a little pop on the mouth and then he goes get in the bathroom and i i went to the bathroom and i was so confused because i was like wait a second this is okay, right? This is the language. Are you going to praise me in here? Like, what's going to happen? And he put me on top of the, uh, I was small enough, so he picked me up and put me on top of the toilet, turned around, he spanked me. And my dad didn't hit hard, but the fact that I was so confused, I started crying. I was like, what the hell is going on? Like, the, the game's changed. I don't understand. And it was because grandma was there. Mm. It's because grandma was there, and I wasn't allowed to, to curse in front of her, but I tried. Not only did I curse in front of grandma, I gave her the queen bee of curses. I dropped the <laughs> Boom, here, grandma, take that. She, so, doesn't, she, didn't, she didn't really like me much after that. So clearly curse words have power, or at least they have subjective they power. Have, I think it all depends on who's around, where you are. That, that's why I'm happy to have Dr. Sandu here. So Vanita, how would you even define what curse words are? How do we know that we've <laughs> uttered a curse word? <laughs> You know, it's good old culture and social phenomena really do play a role here. There's a, actually a really great book called What the F, What Swearing Reveals About Our Language, Our Brains, and Ourselves. And it's a great book written by Benjamin Bergen, who's done some writing already on swearing. And in his book, he claims that there are 84 swear words. What? And I was like, I had no idea there was a concrete number, but the actually more interesting finding about swear words is that most of them are four letters. I read this. I remember reading this. So there are four letters. Tell me if I got this right. And most of them end in a consonant. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. It's interesting because this, the actual definition of swearing or of cursing has changed throughout the decades as well. 
right? So for example, decades ago, like in the forties, dam was a huge deal. Right. And, and nowadays it's not even really blinked at. Now it's people have to say the word fuck in order to have that impact. Brian blinked. When yeah, you said that. I actually winced. I think a lot of it has to do also with what's normalized on TV. I remember a couple of years ago when the OJ Simpson miniseries was on and the third or fourth episode ended with the woman who played uh, Marsh. She said, fuck. And the internet was like, like yeah. everyone was like texting and, and posting. That was the first time that Fox had ever allowed, or FX had ever allowed fuck, and it blew up and it changed the game. I remember having a conversation about that and saying, is that going to make the word lose some of its power? Because I'm curious, Vanita, do you feel like some of these words are as powerful as they are just because we rarely use them? You know the movie Gone with the Wind, that famous line, frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. That was a huge (laughs) deal when that came out. When we think about the emotional impact that it has to have in order to be effective, There is a difference between what is called propositional swearing or non-propositional swearing. So propositional swearing is deliberate and planned. And non-propositional swearing is what happens when we're surprised or we're just among friends. And often the intent behind, so if it was propositional swearing, and I'm being quite deliberate in it, we know that can have a pretty big impact. But if it's, you know, amongst friends, it's probably not going to have the same emotional impact if I'm always used to somebody swearing. Mm, I see. And am I right in assuming that the majority of profanity is either about sex or excrement? And I guess (laughs) religious blasphemy? So there's actually a husband and wife duo that researched this. I have my own feelings about when husband and wives team up together to do things. Hey! What the... Kristen and Timothy J. So they're husband and wife. And they, a few years ago, actually asked a group of participants, this is in the U.S., to rigorously record every time they heard a swear word in public for an entire year. Whoa. I would not make that commitment. (laughs) This was in 2013. They compared it to a similar study that was done in 1986. And what they found is we think about historically, like what are the words that are being used and maybe what categories, Tanya, to answer your question It's actually quite difficult to categorize these, but I will say fuck is way higher in 2013 than 1986. So was shit, so was hell, and so was bitch. The one that was actually comparable to 1986 was ass. Is there anything that we're saying less of since the 1980s? There was not one that was less. Oh. So we do think that the frequency of swearing is going up. And Brian, to your point, I do think we're exposed to it much more in terms of TV, internet, radio, what have you. Google Books even did their own study around this to look at data of swear words in English language books over the past few decades. And turns out damn shit and fuck have all increased. So I think the social and cultural taboo have decreased around using some of these words. And I do think the more we're exposed to it, the less of that emotional impact time that you're mentioning even exists. And I would say it's actually, they're thinking that there's not necessarily more men swearing, but that women have increased their swearing. And there is research to show that women are swearing much more. But the theory here is just because, quite frankly, women are more represented now in print and in media. So it's maybe not that women weren't swearing in the 1950s, but they just weren't allowed to be put on TV as much. Is it also possible that 
swearing in people's minds has increased because we've been able to extend further. You know, we're now on social media. Things there's like more that. cursing channels. Yeah, yeah. There's more, I think there's more opportunities to hear it. Mm. Obviously, music. Music is everywhere. And what used to be a taboo when the slightest curse word was on because you couldn't say it on MTV or you couldn't say it on the radio. Now it's like, it's common practice. So we're hearing it more, so we're saying it more. We're not just hearing it in a certain type of music either. I yeah. think we're hearing it all across the Classical board. music even. Country. I remember the first country music song I heard when I was a kid. And the guy said, shit, I think it was Hank Williams Jr. And I was like, oh. So I'm curious to hear from you, Brian, because you said you grew up in an environment where cursing was happening as long as your grandmother wasn't around. (laughs) Yeah. And you look visibly uncomfortable each time that so far (laughs) Vanita has used the F word. (laughs) What is going on for you? I have a problem cursing in front of like people I don't know, or I get really shy around it. Like if I know you and I'm cursing, like that's, that's, you know, I'm letting my hair down or whatever, letting the hawk down. It is still kind of a a weird cultural phenomenon where you can curse, but you can curse, but you kind of have to still be respectful to people at the same time. And it's really weird. Like damn and shit, hell, almost kind of relax others around you, let you know that you're not uptight or whatever and kind of uh, diffuse things around you. It's almost like it signals something about what your relationship is with that other yeah. person. Because yeah. I've also seen you use cursing as a way to put people at ease. And it sounds like, Benita, you do that as well. So how do you decide whether you're going to use profanity or not? Oh, yeah. You're, I mean, the question assumes that there's an intentional, deliberate thought process behind it. Not always, but I I will say the research has been one of the things that encourages me to keep it up around uh, around people's perception for swearing. So if I just went to anyone on the street and asked them, you know, how do you, how would you perceive credibility if someone's swearing? Most people will just say, oh, it actually will lower their credibility. But time and time again, we find that research actually proves the opposite. Scherer and Sangren, they did a study in 2006 where they had, I think, something like 88 participants, and they had to watch videotape speeches. And they listened to one of three different versions of a speech about lowering tuition rates at a university. So keeping in mind, these participants were probably undergrad students. This is a message that they're sympathetic to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so version one had no swearing. Version two, there was a dam thrown in the middle. And version three, it opened with a dam. The rest of the speech was unchanged. And what they found is the students who saw the video with the swearing at the beginning or in the middle rated the speaker as more intense and no less credible than the ones who saw the speech with no swearing. Hmm. And interestingly, the students who saw the videos with the swearing were significantly more in favor of lowering the tuition fees after seeing the video than the students who didn't hear wow. the swear word. So it could have a persuasive impact as well. That's exactly it. Hmm. Okay. And would you then, based on that, deduce that more is better? Or is it just that the takeaway is one is good? Well, the, the takeaway is that even one actually does have this perception of folks being authentic in the message that they are conveying. And so I, I do think there's probably, there's not a formula to this. It's probably a such thing as having too much swearing that's now detracting from your message. Yeah. So for myself as a woman, I do happen to know there are gender differences in terms of perception of swearing. So it does get a bit trickier. What would you say the perceptions are? Could you break that down for us? If you want to nerd out some more on some research with me, there was a study done in 2001. So O'Neill did a study where 
377 men and women were shown transcripts of speeches containing multiple instances of the word fuck. He told the researcher, if he told the participants that the speaker was a woman, they consistently rated the swearing as more offensive than when they told the speaker was a man. So Richard Alastri in 1673 wrote a book called The Lady's Calling. (laughs) And he said that women who swear are acting in a way that's biologically kind of counter female. And so what might happen if you use a lot of profanity is that you'll actually start to develop masculine characteristics like facial hair or potentially even (laughs) becoming infertile. And he wrote, I quote, there is no sound more odious to the ears of God than an oath in the mouth of a woman. I agree with all that. I I was wondering why I have to shave every morning. So we've come a long way. And in some ways, an act of cursing by you, Vanita, is perhaps an act of feminism. You know, I like to think so. I'm actually not kidding. I'm Now that I, because I particularly know how differently women are perceived when they're swearing, I do find myself kind of laughing to think about when I'm in maybe these quote unquote powerful positions, like if I'm teaching in front of a room, to be the one who's swearing, but also to be seen as the one who's the expert in the room. Yeah. There, there is something I kind of love about that. And... I can't say I'm intentionally doing that every single time, but, but again, it just, if, if we hear it, if we're exposed to it a lot more, it gets more normalized. It slowly feels like there is some kind of chipping away at sexism. Okay, so if, when we're looking at the last election and you had a male candidate and you had a female candidate uh, back in 2016, and all you wanted from the female candidate was to match the vernacular or intensity of the male candidate who was seemed to be get, uh, gaining traction with just the way he was talking. Now, if said candidate, female candidate, were to have cursed or cussed, do you think that would have changed anything about the outcome? Uh, so I can take this one just because there actually have been studies around that 2016 male candidate and the perception that folks had. And people did say, wow, he's coming off as more authentic and more real and transparent when he's swearing. Mm. We know there's gender dynamics, like we mentioned, that all of a sudden, if a woman is swearing, that she's going to be seen as less credible. So I don't, I actually, if I had to po- hypothesize, I don't think it would have worked in her favor. Right. Because yeah. like she was damned if she does, damned if she doesn't. I see a lot of that in uh, stand-up comedy. Anytime a woman goes up there and curses or whatever, they immediately call her a dirty comic, you know, she or she's trying to be like men or whatever. And it's this crazy double standard because you have all these other wonderful comics. I mean, even my favorite, like Richard Pryor, that you would use the word mother scratcher, you know, he'd use that word like <laughs> as, as, as like, punctuation. And yet, if Amy Schumer or, you know, uh, Slicinger, if they use this word Whitney Cummings, then all of a sudden they're, they're seen as like a dirty mouth. Especially like with comedy, you want to hear, like you want to go into a dark room away from the world and hear this person talk the way you listen or the way you talk to your friends or how. So there's that double standard. It's Yeah, it's pretty... How pretty... about cross-culturally, Benitez? Yeah, well, even if we look at different laws around the world, I mean, there are some very stringent laws that exist. Uh, Brian, you were mentioning music earlier. I remember just a few years ago, 50 Cent was performing in St. Kitts and... You know, he was singing his song, I'm a motherfucking P-I-M-P. And the moment he dropped... I could see Brian's face literally every time you give us an F-bomb, he just contorts into this, like, little kid. There's, like, someone just did something naughty. She says that she hangs onto that F in there. But you, you could, like, visibly see his blood pressure go up. 
Oh, speaking of blood pressure going up, we should talk about that research. But um, I, I will say, so the moment that he said that, he was fine right away. Because in St. Kitts, you're not allowed to do that. He's fine. He's fine. Like fine, like money. Yeah. Because yeah, we're doing that. So why is that? Why do you think, I mean, maybe question for Brian, because you grew up in an environment where cursing, cousin, sorry, was seen as both normal and unacceptable at the same time, depending on who you were around, mm-hmm. depending on context. Why do you think your dad hit you? Why do you think his reaction I think was so he, I think he felt like he had to because grandma was offended. Okay. I, it was all reaction. Everyone reacted. So who are we moment. trying to protect here? I mean, even with something like parental advisory, make sure that there are no cuss words or yeah, make but sure that- you can't, you can't like, as parents, you can't say don't cuss. Because the kids are, like, you go to school, you can't be the kid who doesn't cuss because then you're that weird kid. You know what I mean? Like, there was a kid, I'm not going to give you the last name, but uh, his name was Steven, and he wasn't allowed to cuss in elementary school. And we were like, what the F is up with this kid? You know, not only that, he wasn't allowed to watch rated R movies. He wasn't allowed. And we were like, yo, this kid is going to go nuts. This kid's going to be crazy. And we knew that (laughs) back then. I think what parents need to do is just teach kids context. They're going to cuss. It's going to happen. I think you need to teach them about language, about the power of words and when, when they're used and when they're not, you know, I think that's what should be focused on. Not like don't cuss. Cause that's like saying, you know, don't breathe, you know, or you know, like it's just, it's going to happen. So are there times where you think that profanity definitely should not be used? The, honestly, the thing that comes up for me right away is any religious setting because there is such a strong negative correlation with religiosity and swearing. I do think that that's what's playing a role in terms of even culturally, uh, what's dictating where do we default to in terms of swearing or not swearing. I will say just thinking about parents that I know and kids that I know, most parents will tell their kids, it's okay to use this at home, you just can't use it at school. Mm. And so Brian, to your point, there is this teaching of context. It's not necessarily don't use this word at all, but that you can use it in certain contexts. And age plays a role as well. Like there is research around if there are generational differences that exist in swearing or who's more likely to swear at work. And definitely the less than 30 crowd is known to swear more openly at work. And it it does go down as you go into let's say Gen X, and then even lower with baby boomers. I mean, is it just respect at the end of the day? Because you don't want to say something that brings up a taboo topic. Would it be similar to just showing someone a bunch of poop? Like you wouldn't go into a meeting at work and be like, hey, here's a pile of poop. I guess, I guess they're so similar. <laughs> That's a great analogy, but I'm just trying to think in what situation like that. <laughs> well... Do you, are you too familiar with the Washu chimp study? No. Oftentimes chimps are taught sign language as a way to learn about chimp communication. And chimps, like humans, have a taboo around excrement, around poop. Oh. When they get to a certain age, they learn that they're supposed to hide it. They learn okay. that it's sort of like it's kind of shameful. And they learn that they could use it to really offend someone by throwing it at them. <laughs> <laughs> and so chimps were taught a sign language word for poop. Oh, no way. And what was really fascinating is that A, Washu, she started using that word to curse at humans. <laughs> so she would say something like, it meant basically dirty. Yeah. And so she would say things like dirty human or dirty monkey. And not only that, when she had babies, she taught them that word. Oh my God. 
as a means of expressing anger and frustration. So they would call each other dirty name or dirty monkey, which in and of itself is offensive because chimps are not monkeys. Yeah. But that's a whole other I wonder if they ever used it as like, because we've seen them be playful. I wonder if they ever used it to tease to, each other. To tease each other. Because, right? you know, we, we've seen monkeys kind of, or, or chimps, cheesy, tease each other, cheese each other. <laughs> tease each other. <laughs> you know, like, like chasing them or, or slapping the back of the head and then running away. And like, I wonder if they ever used that like showed like, each other the, because the way we use it like the way we use swear words to tease each other not not, not there's a term for this in psychology it's called jocular abuse or teasing <laughs> Vinita, you should know this about brian he really <sighs> takes you know how some people are offended when you say hell or damn he's offended when you use a four syllable word when a one syllable word would do oh that's fair it's just all you scientists are like, it's called jocular manifestation of personality disorder commonly used between gender. We're teasing. It's just teasing. We, can, we have that word. We have that word before you got your degree. Fine. But you can actually see the teams that are high performing will have more teasing, more jocular abuse. <laughs> and it, and in many ways, it's a demonstration of... I like jocular abuse. I like jocular I think, abuse. I think I'm going to use jocular abuse. Jocular abusing me. <laughs> And you see this, like Vanita and I work together. Would you say there's a good amount of jocular abuse at our workplace? <laughs> there is a, for me, a, a very much desirable level of jocular abuse that happens. Oh, oh, can I ask you a, a question? I just realized Dr. Sandu and Tanya, y'all work together. Let me ask you this. Say someone new joins the team, right? Right. How soon uh. do you expect a curse word from them? Or, or how soon do y'all introduce cursing to them do you do it in the interview? Like, talk to me. Let's, let's hear it. <laughs> I actually, don't you think this is an interesting question, Vanita? Because we, we've, we talk about this uh, as we've yeah, grown. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I said it. Because <laughs> we, we're about 50 people now as an organization. Uh -huh. Vanita, how many people were, were we when you, when you first started? Uh, I was number 15 for hiring. 15. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so in many ways, when a new person joins and now people start in cohorts and small groups, we all sort of like collectively hold our breaths a little bit and go, okay, I think we're supposed to be, you know, a little bit more careful, a little bit more cautious to not say something offensive. Because y'all also, I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but I'm excited about this because y'all just hired a group from Florida. And the reason why I bring that up is because we all share that same similar Southern kind of, <gasps> you know, when someone curses, but, <laughs> but, on the, but on the flip side, we're like, that some bitch came in here. Hey, how you doing? You damn bastard. You but it's come interesting in here with your, yeah. collectively we're trying to not offend and to create a safe space. But at the same time, probably if we have less jocular abuse and less profanity, there's also less of a sense of cohesion and bonding. So it's so really soon, interesting. So how, how yeah. So Vanita, what's, what's your perspective on this? Because I feel like you kind of, you lead the way at our company. <laughs> <laughs> Why, thank you. Uh, I, I know, I, I definitely would say I'm known to be more vulgar than other people, but this is kind of, this is no longer going to be a secret, but kind of like how we're sharing how I did it the first lecture whenever I'm teaching students. I try to do it within the first couple of weeks when we have newer folks where maybe it's in like my one-on-one -on -one meet and greet with them or in a team meeting, but I will try to deliberately drop in a swear word. Like how bad of a swear word? Because there are <laughs> rankings. So like, what are we talking? There are, oh, I've, I've thrown in anywhere from damn and ass to shit and fuck. Wow. Literally every time you say it, Brian, that's <laughs> the physical even... reaction. <laughs> I, can, I can actually like feel it. 
Really it looks can. like some someone just like <laughs> bopped him on the head with a mallet at the top of his head. Like he's he scoots down, he shrinks a little, he makes that fear <laughs> facial expression. Oh, wait, isn't that too late though? By that point, Two like the three weeks in, you think she should in. start right away? Well, I, I'm wondering if y'all do it at the interview or something because, like, three weeks in, I'm settled in. I'm like, wow, this is a great. This is a very, you know, they're, respectful. They're respectful. And then I talk one on one with me, and she's oh, like, you're saying this, and you know, uh, and mother FNP, PIMP, and she's, you know, quoting. <laughs> you're uh, saying we're doing like a bait and switch. Well, I'm just wondering, like, do, like should ever, we put it in our job description? Because this company is the shit, y'all. This is the shit. But because I've heard y'all in meetings, like, eavesdropped, uh, uh, you know. That's creepy. No, no, no. Not on purpose. Right. I feel safe now. <laughs> and I've recorded it all. No, but, like, I've heard y'all speak to one another and joke around and stuff, which I think is great. I'm all for that. But I'm wondering if you've ever gotten any pushback. I do know that that's happened. And it has it has been less around swear words and just, I would say, vulgarity in general, whether it's in the joke that's being made. And my hypothesis in time. Tanya, tell me if you think this is correct. As we've grown, the vulgarity level has decreased. Mm. I think that we are more careful to say things that might offend someone or make someone uncomfortable. Or from my perspective, the most important thing is we don't want to make someone feel unsafe. So I I would say, I agree with you, Vanita, that 50 people together, it's not like we're all sitting in a circle and going, fuck, 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 fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Is Brian in a fetal position on the floor now? <laughs> Brian is drowning in a bottle of Poland Springs in shame. There's a an elaborate spit take that just happened. <laughs> so what I was trying to say is that while I don't think that we collectively use as much profanity, I still think that it happens in smaller groups, one-on-one conversations. I think going back to what we were talking about with context, it's just harder to read people's reactions when you're in a large group. So I think it feels like the nicer thing to do is to read people in smaller groups and one-on-one to make sure that you're not doing something that's going to be offensive. So what, what does the research show about cussing in the workplace? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's pretty positive. I will say there was one study where they interviewed, I think it was lawyers, doctors, and you know, business execs. This was done in the UK, France, and the US. And a large majority of folks were saying, oh, actually swearing really signals intimacy and helps us build rapport. Hmm. Interesting. And they've done this for other uh, careers as well. Like there's, there was one done on uh, construction trades in Australia. Same thing. Most participants said this really helps us to build camaraderie. It's funny because like Australians are known for letting the expletives fly. I had a friend who was Australian and I would talk to her and her family and she was like very... By friend, by the way, Brian's referring to his ex-girlfriend. I don't know why you have to downgrade her to friend. I didn't want to make you feel bad because she was my favorite. Ah. Just kidding. Wow. She, and but when I would, she was on the phone, she would talk to I would talk to her family, and they were just like F and L, you know, and stuff like that. Like that was like a it's like a turn of phrase. Oh, F and L. Well, it's also a, a lower power distance culture, mm-hmm. so it kind of makes sense, right? Because there's what does that mean, lower power distance? Meaning there isn't this cultural expectation that you have to treat individuals with higher power or more tenure or people who are older particularly differently from so you're people everyone, who are your peers. Everyone's across the board. Yeah. Obviously. Right. Right, I'm curious. Let's dive into your childhood for a moment here. <laughs> um, I'm curious, even right now, as you hear us swear, or if you are swearing, do you notice that you maybe get a little more sweaty? My hands, yeah. <laughs> and my, my nose is, yeah. Like, if I didn't spit up that water earlier, 
my nose is all oily and stuff because uh, I was like, I was a little, I was a little flustered. I think yeah. <laughs> the way you say F you say it like uh, you're about to drop a, a new album next week. <laughs> I do. I do like to have that kind of impact on people. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but the reason why I mentioned is because we do know that people who sweat more while they're swearing were likely to have been punished for swearing when they were kids. Ooh. Oh, I don't think I sweat more when I'm swearing. I sweat more when you're swearing. So maybe you were punished as a kid and I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was in a household where it was, you can, you could say like shit was just not considered a swear. You just, it was, again, you couldn't do it at school or outside, but I will say my dad comes from, he's my dad's from India and for Asian cultures, there is this, you know, concept of saving face and about maintaining dignity and uh, not wanting to shame the family. So that really does play a role too, even though my dad just swears more than anyone I know. So just by dad. being on the show, you're shaming your family. Right now. <laughs> this, is, this is exactly my life goal every week and whatever I do. Ooh, can I tell you all something? This, this just hit me right now. Okay, and I don't, I don't know if, if she's listening or not, but this is going to be this is going to be eye opening for her. So I've been seeing a therapist for the last uh, couple of years. And it's the first time I've gone to therapy and everything. And she is also a psychologist. And and, and I, I I'm I would hope so. Oh no no, but I guess but, 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 yeah, I guess so. I guess that's true. <laughs> she works at the diner, and um, she hands me my pie. Uh, no, but she she's really great, and I've always been open with her because I, I I've always felt like you know if you can't your be, you're not, yeah well you're not doing it if if you're going in there and and protecting yourself right, but I'll tell you this what changed our relationship is the first time she swore in front of me and I was like oh it changed the game now I'm like I see her as, as someone not just as like someone I could trust and everything, but like almost like a friendship. I, I can't even tell it invites you how, a new and I, never, I don't think I ever told her openness. that. Yeah, I don't think I've ever told her that, but she was the first professional, any doctor to swear to me. Um, although the, the, the dentist did swear when she was trying to pull my tooth at one time, but I don't think oh, she did. God, that is not reassuring at all. But those are very different ones. <laughs> I walked into that situation and uh, Brian has very, I would just describe him as very physically sturdy and also psychologically stubborn. And his teeth are also sturdy and stubborn. So he had to get a tooth extracted because he eats a lot of candy, but that's a whole other conversation. And this dentist actually had to put her knee into his chest. She was on top of me. Uh, I walked into the room because I heard this weird commotion and she's literally on top of him with her hands in his mouth, just trying to yank out a tooth. She was on my chest. Cursing. She, she was going, F. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh. I was like, it doesn't feel right. Uh, uh. I would say that's not the kind of cursing that would inspire <laughs> no, trust. No. I just even hearing this story, I feel like I am crawling up into a fetal position. But a lot of people fear the dentist because of pain. Yes. And one one thing I always say is the downside of being in the dentist is you can't swear because they're doing work on your mouth, <laughs> even though we know that cursing can actually help you with pain. Ah. Oh, does that happen? Wait, so you're saying the dentist shouldn't have been the one cursing. It should have been Brian cursing. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. Tell but, us more about that. Yeah, I want to know how the- I almost think it'd be more fun for us to try this out ourselves. Wait, am I going to get hurt? <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Vanita, <laughs> um, I'll, uh, I'll be your laboratory assistant for this. Okay, Thank you for doing that. Brian, you are being voluntold to be our research participant. Okay. And I just have two questions for you, Brian, before we get started. <laughs> Number one, what, out, what are five words you would use if you dropped a hammer on your thumb? Ouch. Damn. 
God, geez, and uh, probably like son of a, that's one word, son of a. Okay. Okay. Great. Perfect. And my second question is, what are five words you would use to describe a table? Sturdy, rigid, even, flat, strong. Great. Okay. So what we're going to do here in a moment, and Tanya, if you could grab a bowl of some ice cold water. The study I'm going to talk to you about, and actually I'm going to have you do this in real life for us, Brian, is, was a study that was actually done by Richard Stevens, and he wanted to investigate, does swearing make pain feel worse or better? Okay. And the hypothesis here being that if swearing is actually maladaptive for us, then participants would give up much faster while they were cursing than if they were saying some kind of other neutral word. And so in a moment, what we're going to do is I'm actually going to have you experience some pain by putting your hand in a bowl of ice cold water. Whoa. I'm ready for you. The- do you know okay. this is like one of the, wor- okay, so in football, we used to have to do this the day after a game, put our hand. Or I think put- he's trying to buy time so no, the ice melts. No, I'm trying to reenact tra- childhood trauma here. So Vanita, we actually have an inside joke in our relationship that we call immigrant hands. I can hold very cold things and very hot things, whereas Brian with his dainty American hands <laughs> actually has a really hard time with intense temperatures. I'm oh, so this Tanya, what I'm going to ask is that you have some kind of stopwatch or timer with you. I'm ready. Okay. So, Brian, with your left hand, what I'm going to ask you to do is to put your hand in the water, but the only word you can yell out is damn. Okay. And that's the only thing. And I want you just to hold your hand in the, in the water as long as you can. And the moment it just it doesn't, it's too painful, feel free to just pull it right out. Listen, I have a high pain tolerance. I want you to know that. I, at the beginning of this podcast, I let you all know I'm from Texas, and this is part of the, the deal. So uh, I might keep it in here for two days. Uh, so <laughs> I will say there's a, there's a study that found that men report feeling less pain when female researchers ask them to rate their pain tolerance. Oh, hell it's, yeah. You're, you're right. <laughs> yes. Are you crazy? Yes. All right, let's do this. Ready? Right. I'm going to start timing as soon as you put those dainty little fingers and, and, in that. I, I only say damn when I feel like damn, right? Yeah, I, you oh, keep, just, saying, keep saying damn over and over and over. Right. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Ready? Go. Damn, 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 damn. Damn, 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 damn. Okay. That was 41 seconds. Hell yeah, it was. Nice work. Okay. All right. So, Brian, I'm sorry to say we're new to that a second time. <laughs> I knew it as soon as I was like 41 seconds. I was like, shoot, that's probably not going to end there. Okay, all right. This time I'm going to ask you to do it with the other hand. Okay. But the word that you're going to be repeating over and over is rigid. Okay. 
Oh, is okay. that the word they use for table? That no. is exactly the word they use for table, okay. yeah. So the, the second word he used for the uh, hammer was damn, and the second word for table was rigid. So again, the, the idea here is to just keep saying rigid over and over, and the moment that you're just like, I can't handle this pain anymore, you can pull your hand out. Oh, Anita, don't say it that way. I'm going for 42 seconds. All right, okay, all right. <clears throat> okay, you've got nothing to prove here. Do it for yeah, science. No. Ready, set, go. Rigid, rigid, rigid. Rigid, 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 okay, out. Wow. Okay. Three minutes. 13 seconds. No. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually 58 seconds. Ow! <laughs> he just put his rigid cold hand on my face. Oh, my God. oh, God. Well, good news is Brian did not follow what most participants did. If you just think about the qualitative nature that Brian just used the words in, like the way that you were saying rigid way more expressive hmm. than, than damn. When you were saying damn, I just felt like it was like damn, 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 damn. But rigid was just like, you really went into that hard G on rigid. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like oh, Interesting. <laughs> so from what I understand in the research, saying a curse word actually helped people, normal people. In this case, in Brian's case, it was actually the opposite. He was also on a mission this time around. Like he was like, I'm going to beat 42 seconds. So that's interesting. But the way you were saying that word rigid, maybe there was something in the intensity of it that was helping you. Brian, let me ask you about your perception of pain. Was there a difference between the first time and the second time? I think the second time hurt more because it hurt immediately. So what I know about this research is that psychologists got really curious to understand what was it about cursing that was leading to this pain reduction? Hmm. And one hypothesis is that it creates this intense aggressive energy. So they wanted to find out, is it the cursing or is it the cursing that leads to the aggression and then the aggression leads to the pain reduction? Interesting. They actually had half of their participants play a first person shooter, aggressive video game, right. and the other half of them play a golf video game. Golden tea, probably. That's like the most popular. Probably golden tea. I used to have a bruise on the bottom of my hand, Brian, from playing <laughs> golden tea. So it sounds like you played that game aggressively. I play both first-person shooter and golf video games, so I don't know where this puts me. But maybe you were an aggressive golf player. Anyway, what they found was that the first-person shooter... Can I guess? Yes. The golf was more intense, right? They, they cursed more? Incorrect. Oh. So they actually after having them play the game, had them do the cold water test. Uh -huh. And the people who had played the first person shooter were able to keep their hand in the cold water longer. Because they were more aggressive. Because it heightened aggression. Yeah. Well, so it's funny because Dr. Stevens, like the finding that he did in this study is that 
the, it, the perception of pain went down even with people who said they were not likely to swear when they were angry. So it works for everyone. So it works for everyone, turns out, in terms of pain perception. So given the stress that so many of us are experiencing, I would say all of us are experiencing right now, given the pandemic that we're all in, should we be cursing more so that we could <laughs> feel better, so that we could trust each other more, so that we can feel less pain? Yes. my Honestly, my very strong thesis is that cursing is helpful for many reasons, including ones that you named, which is let's build camaraderie and support and rapport. Let's reduce pain. Let's increase our persuasion. I just find that there are so many positives with swearing that it just keeps encouraging me to do it in real life. So I'm curious, Vanita, did you ever get to close the loop on whether your teacher was right? Is there a link between intelligence and profanity? Oh yeah, let's bring it full circle. Well, this is actually one of the reasons why, actually I think as soon as we're done talking here today, I'm gonna send her a letter. Back to that husband and wife duo, so awkward when they work together. Um, they, they did an experiment where they had participants, like within 60 seconds, rattle off as many swear or taboo words as they could. And some of the words people came up with, there's like your classics, you know, fuck and motherfucker, but there was also things like ass pirate. Ass pirate. Good to know that's an option. <laughs> Always. You know, things like horse shit, a lot of different words in that 60 seconds. And then those same participants were asked to rattle off as many animal names as they could in 60 seconds. And animal names in this study serve the purpose as being an indication of someone's like overall vocabulary or their interest in language in general. Hmm. And then they had to do like participate in some standardized verbal fluency tests that uh, psychologists administer. And interestingly, what they, they found is that folks who could name more curse words or taboo words had higher verbal fluency scores and had more in their lexicon in terms of the animal names as well. If I'm understanding this right, it means that having a wide range of curse words might be a marker of greater verbal intelligence. That's exactly it. Yes. I guess my takeaway from all of this is that using profanity well means listening very carefully. It means paying attention to context, paying attention to the norms, paying attention to what other people are doing. And then sometimes you have to be the one to go first, test the waters a little bit, see how it makes people feel. In many ways, understanding profanity is understanding humans. Yeah. Oh, okay. couldn't, agree. couldn't agree more with that. <laughs> Any final thoughts, any final takeaways we want folks to keep in mind? If it's helpful for you and it's, you're not getting, you're not negatively impacting someone, keep it up. There are actually, again, very many studies that will say it actually can help mental health for some people and can help folks cope with stress and frustration and anxiety. And if that's not your thing, then no need to. So let's try it. I mean, maybe with this pandemic, we really do have to have a fuck the pandemic. Fuck COVID-19. Fuck COVID-19. Fuck COVID-19. <laughs> fuck COVID-19. <laughs> I'm, I'm making t-shirts as we speak. <laughs> I'd also like to say to my Aunt Dina, who is an avid listener, I'm sorry. <laughs> so sorry, Aunt Dina. Aunt Dina, if you hear this and you heard me say some words I had said before in front of you, I apologize. I need to make him do it. <laughs> So thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Dr. Sandu, for being our special guest. And thank you for listening to Talk Motherfucking Psych to Me.